Welcome to the History Tricks, where any resemblance to a boring old history lesson is purely coincidental. And here's your 30-second summary. After buying her title and marrying into British nobility, this woman trailblazed for dollar princesses who followed, while living a scandal-filled life as she propelled the political careers of both her first husband and her son, who will be known as the greatest Britain ever. The end. Hi there, this is Beckett. Now, one thing you should know about this next podcast, there's nothing actually explicit that we're going to say, but if you're going to listen with some youngins in the room, you might want to not or put your headphones on because the subject of today's podcast is quite scandalous. And there's a little naughty. There's mentions of lovers throughout and, uh, and that's all. We don't talk about anything really more specific than that. No, no cussing, no. So use your judgment. Yes. Thank you. Let's talk about Jenny Jerome Churchill. Oh, yes. Let's talk about her. We're not going to drop her into history because we're still doing our Gilded Age series, although Jenny will be ending our series. And I'm sorry about that, Beckett. (laughs) (laughs) But we had fun. We did have fun. It was a good series, and and I'm so glad that, that we did it. Let's get going. Jeanette Jerome was born in 1854 to Leonard and Clarissa slash Clara Jerome in Brooklyn, New York. And as we talked about in the Gilded Age Buccaneers discussion, when we did touch a little bit on Jenny, her father was very wealthy. I have to tell you, I love the thought of him because, okay, they're at Niagara Falls. You know, it's pretty tall. An old boy climbs on the outside of the rail and hangs with one hand and starts screaming, I'm falling! I'm falling! I won't come back till you've promised to marry me! (laughs) That should be a red flag right there to Clara that she's got a handful on her hands right there. I I agree, but it also tells her exactly who this guy is. Yeah, it's so funny. I mean, I don't think she was going in blind at all. Oh, my goodness. So, um... Within a few months of Jenny's birth, though, her father declared himself bankrupt. So he, when he's up, he's up. And when he's down, he's very down. Mm-hmm. And that's probably very stressful than, you know, staying in the middle would be less stressful, I think. But he's very good at getting himself back up again. He bounced back with some dubious techniques. For one, he sold short, which means you sell things you don't own, basically, mm-hmm. in hopes of buying them at a lower price in reality when you have to actually pony up the money. Right, because he was he was a stock speculator. Yeah, which isn't. Wasn't illegal then, is now. And then also, this is shady, but clever, (laughs) encouraging journalists, encouraging, i.e. paying them, to write certain articles which will affect a stock price one direction or the other, and then acting accordingly. Oh, yes. Clever. How did you say shady, but clever? Yeah. That's, I think, kind of sums him up. Probably had personality to boot. Yeah, and the thing is, they had three children. These, you know, Jenny had two mm-hmm. sisters. Right. They did actually have four daughters and one yeah. died. That's a pretty common story. Yeah, it is. Okay, so they were known as the good, the beautiful, and the witty. I'm not sure you're supposed to title much. Whatever. I guess everyone had their role. Um. So, anyway, so he's back up to $10 million. He's got this double-may-care attitude. And you know our friend Ward McAllister from the Mrs. Astor podcast of wrote of him that he used to drive through Central Park with his his four-in-hand coach, which Four. is like, that's what you need. If you're taking the mail to wartime and you need some speed, you have a, four. a four-in-hand right. coach. And you're uh, driving it at high speed. So old boy used to have his favorite daughter beside him, Jenny. Jenny. Little tiny five-year-old Jenny sitting up on the box with him. There's no seatbelts no. in this day and age. No car seats. Whatever. No the back of the carriage is full of screaming women. <laughs> You'll notice I didn't say ladies. ladies. No. Screaming women. So 
Can you imagine what Mrs. Astor and her cronies thought of this man? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, they were not in the same circles. Yeah, all. not only did he no. not know calling card etiquette, no. he's driving. <laughs> he didn't know. He didn't know any etiquette. He's like living his life large. Yeah, and he doesn't care. He's totally fine. So she had a pretty happy chi- um, childhood in Newport. Yeah. Now, when they lived in Newport, it was like an actual resort. Right. There, you know, the marble houses hadn't appeared yet. Mm-hmm. So it's a lovely rural neighborhood. So one of his mistresses actually gave his children a donkey cart. <laughs> and so, so the mistresses were actually a part of his life. Oh, I mean, yeah. Clarissa is not Clara. No. She's a, she knows what's going on. Yeah. Well, yeah. You can't, yeah. I think I like the donkey's names too. Willie and Wooshy. Wooshy. So this is about the time of the Civil War. And Jenny Jerome Churchill wrote in her reminiscences that when she was at dancing class in New York, it was like sport. You could pinch any little Southerner and make them cry and nobody would say anything to you. <laughs> Those poor little Southern girls. Kids are mean. They have always been mean. Tensions were increasing between her parents. Her father actually said to her mother, if you had any go in you, like any of the girls and could keep up, we might knock about together and enjoy it but you haven't a bit of taste in that way and you never had so basically he's telling her you are boring you're boring so what does she do so she moves packs up the girls and she moves to paris which actually worked out pretty well for for them until of course the franco-prussian war your people beckett so the older sister made this huge hit with empress eugenie right empress eugenie had an american grandma which is kind of interesting that is very interesting so thus her interest in all these american oh, girls these american coming girls. over sure but oh my gosh the older sister's name is clara and she's out you know and um she was such a success that mama left it a bit too late when my people came. <laughs> yeah. Well, so when they came, they actually had to literally put stuff in sheets like hobos and put it <laughs> over their shoulder. And mama... Like Dolly Madison fleeing in the White House. It's exactly like that. <laughs> Only instead of having um, a wagon waiting, they had to kind of... Um, well, mama was in a wheelbarrow at one point, <laughs> racing down the street, being pushed. That's really undignified. Yeah, no kidding. You, you've really gone down with wheelbarrow. <laughs> Well, so they did make the last train by the skin of their teeth, and they also did some kind of, like, enormous tap dance, you know, can we get on your boat, please, you know, to get back across. And so, yeah, they appeared, and then who should they find there but fellow expatriates, the Stevenses and the Iznakas. So welcomed with open American arms, saying, hey, here's my sister's fist thump. Exactly. So there was some screeching telegrams um, sent over to to Leonard, Jerome, Papa, who mm-hmm. actually came and settled his family in Cows. Now, I looked that up, how to pronounce that. It's Cows. If you don't live there, and if you do live there, it's K's. It's the Isle of Wight, and they have a very, okay, I did not know very that. distinctive accent. Oh, that's very interesting. Would you like to emulate that accent for me? No. Oh, darn it. <laughs> someday. Someday. Uh, someday when the microphone is off. <laughs> so what happened at Cows? Let's speak like the royalty, shall we? Yes, So please. what happened at Cows is there's free-ranging royalty just wandering the streets. Like because, chickens. Yes. No, no, like yeah, plumage and everything. <laughs> Good point. Thank you. Yeah. So Queen Victoria took up residence at some point, and that's when the entourage is there. So the chances of meeting titled people are pretty high. Because they're everywhere. They're just everywhere. Fish in a barrel right here. So the two oldest Jerome girls, they had all the weaponry they needed. They had better dresses than the English mm-hmm. girls. They'd been abroad. They'd been in Paris. They'd met Empress Eugenie. They were buds with her. So this, she, they had confidence. Been there, 
done that. What do we got that's new and interesting? I think it's interesting that Clara and Jenny, through the stories, Jenny wasn't out. That stinks. She was not even able to go to these parties. But she she made up for it later. She did make up for it later. Huh. Maybe that's the seeds of, hey, yeah. I need to catch up. That's right. Um. So anyway, yeah, they got there and royalty didn't tongue-tie them the way that the English girls were like, oh, it's Prince of Wales. Mm-hmm. You know, well. And the Prince of Wales... As we've already discussed in our previous podcasts, loved his American women. He did. And, um, okay, so she was invited to a party on a yacht called the Ariadne. She kept this invitation her entire life. It led to her marriage to Lord Randolph Churchill. Mm-hmm. And she was only 19 at the time. So um, we talked about their marriage in the last podcast. Let's just say they were violently in love almost immediately. Both sets of parents rejected them for various reasons. But she did write at one point before they got married to him, I won't marry you if you don't let me do exactly as I like. I love that. So talk about people <laughs> laying it out there early. I know. There's there's your prenup right there. Just <laughs> let me do exactly what I like and we'll be very happy. Gosh, <laughs> why didn't I think of that? <laughs> so they were married in April um, mm-hmm. of 1874 and they had to get married twice. Once they got married in the British Embassy in Paris. And you know, okay, here's the weird thing about the British Embassy in Paris. The mm-hmm. French had just passed a law that any male child born on French soil was available to be conscripted into the army when he came of age. Right. And of course, the British expats freaked out about that. Mm-hmm. So pregnant ladies in the last stages of their pregnancy were often sent to the British Embassy where a maternity ward was set up mm-hmm. upstairs <laughs> so they would have their male children on British soil. And their children wouldn't be subject to, to that. the French army. Was- oh, yeah. And then she had to go to the American legation, which is like the embassy there, just to kind of find, just to make sure it was okay with everybody's country. Right. So after the marriage, as is traditional, you would go to the country house mm-hmm. if one's available um, for a month with the entire Marlboro Churchill family in this big residence. This place liked to kill Jenny Jerome, though, with boredom. Oh. And not just her. Honestly, they're sitting there and routinely somebody would get up and sneak and move the clock ahead 15 minutes. Like, can we please go to bed? <laughs> is it bedtime yet? This is a, my dream life is so much more interesting than oh this. Oh my gosh. You know, we look at it and go, oh my goodness, what would life be like there? And she's looking at it like, wow, my life is over. <laughs> yeah. So, what have I done? Yeah. So luckily she blew out of there and went to London. Mm-hmm. But interestingly, just 10 weeks after her marriage, she started not going out. Yes, why, why, why? I wonder why. Well, could it be that she was already past her first trimester? Isn't that funny? So so theoretically, there's a winter baby coming, because mm-hmm. if it's a honeymoon baby, which is what they said, then people invited her places in the fall, and she said that she couldn't go. So why would, hmm, so she must have known that he was coming in the fall. Right. Yeah, she knew. Well, I'm sure she knew right I'm on, like the rest of us. Yeah. And seriously, this is probably not the first time this has ever Oh, no, 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 no. I was yeah. born almost to the day of my parents. Really? Oh, yes. I didn't know that. Oh, yes. I say I, but actually I'm a twin, so there was a we. We were honeymoon babies. I always <laughs> wanted a twin. You did. Well, we weren't like, it was it's a guy. Yeah, well, I <laughs> So we couldn't do any of those parent trap things. Dang it. <laughs> I know. We digress. <laughs> so Randolph, husband, began his life in the House of Commons, and he was mm-hmm. known as, you know, super fancy dresser, dandified appearance. Um, so was Jenny. The money was flowing outward, I'll tell you that right And they now. were showing it. But Winston was born at Blenheim during hunting season uh, in September. Yes, he was. And <laughs> almost immediately handed off to Nanny Everest. Yes. 
Okay, I've carried this child for nine months. I'm done. And to his dying day, he had a portrait of his nanny in his room. I mean, he was a grown man, and he still had a portrait of her. He, he loved so- her. He called her Womb? Womb. Womb. W-O-M. Because he couldn't say woman when he was little. That's cute. Jenny had some kind of hold on him because his mother, who would flit in and out of his, which was probably the key. She was only a visitor to his right. little world. Mm-hmm. His mother seemed, and I quote, a fairy princess, a radiant being, possessed of limitless power. Uh, and then he concluded that quote by saying, I loved her dearly, but at a distance. So really, you're flitting in and out theory? That totally, probably accurate. And he, But he adored her, I mean, through his whole life. The charm that she had over people yeah. was not lost on her son. So everyone's doing well. Mm-hmm. There's a son in the nursery. There's all this. Okay, but then a scandal erupts that I'm going to put in a special feature. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. The, here's the short version. The Churchills ended up embroiling the Prince of Wales in a blackmail slash adultery scandal in which letters were produced that oughtn't to have been produced. Mm-hmm. And the result was that the Prince of Wales declared he would never meet any Churchills again and he would never appear anywhere where they were received. End of story. Done. He was pissed. Yeah, so... So they were ostracized almost completely, although the holdout Consuelo is naked. It was like, fine then, don't come here. I don't care. <laughs> we still like Consuelo. I like Consuelo. <laughs> and she, you know, she triumphed because he did come to her house. She called him on it and he folded on that deal. But whatever. I like Consuelo is naked even more, knowing she stood by her friend. So after a little while, after a, a basement and apology, they were sent to Ireland as Randolph mm-hmm. got um, the job to be Viceroy of Ireland. So that's a three-year cooling off period, which is probably necessary for all parties concerned. Oh, sure. Get him out of the country. Yeah. Let him still... I mean, he was still being political. He, She was still able to do her political wifing. <laughs> you know, she was a great fundraiser. About this time, she raised $135,000 for Irish potato famine relief. And, I mean, it was such a big amount of money. That's 1879 money there. Right. It was such an amount of money, and the way she distributed it was so efficient and so practical that Queen Victoria was very impressed with her. And at that point, gave her um, a minor award right. for that, too. So, so she's received the notice, justifiably so, mm-hmm. I think, of the Queen. Right. And, and a good In a way. good way. <laughs> yeah. Contrary to how it could have played out, and yeah. I have to say, and every time I read this, I just think of those Real Housewives TV shows. <laughs> it's like the Real Housewives of titled nobility. I stick them all in there, and and there's even one, the one in New York. There was a duchess, and then she divorced her husband, so I don't even know if she's still a duchess. And now she's dating around. It's she kind of reminds me of Jenny. Wow. Okay, I've never seen that. So if that's your thing, <laughs> I yeah. Susan recommends. Yeah, I recommend Real Housewives Real House. of New York. Yeah, that's right. Recommend. Sure, sure, I do. Just <laughs> as a guilty pleasure. So neither Jenny nor her son ever received any warm feelings from Randolph. I think after this point, and Jenny was attracting loads of male attention. She was strikingly beautiful. Yes, strikingly beautiful. Although I have to say. I'm looking at the pictures, and she was strikingly beautiful. She had dark hair, beautiful, beautiful appearance, but she lived hard, and it kind of mm-hmm. showed at a pretty early age, I think. I yeah, think- in later pictures, I think she actually looks like the Statue of Liberty, <laughs> which is fine. I mean, you know, yeah. I'm, like, I'm not saying the Statue of Liberty is not attractive, attractive. <laughs> but I'm just saying there's like a... Mm, like more of a like grandeur. Like quality a, to her. Yeah, I don't know. Or we'll iron. Have, we'll have to maybe post some pictures of uh, Profile and Statue of Liberty, and you tell me if I'm right. <laughs> so it's possibly at this period that husband, Randolph, discovered he was suffering from syphilis. There's no real cure at this point. You can pump all the mercury you want in there, but whatever. And you're about 10 to 20 years from the third or tertiary stage of syphilis. Now, right. also, there's a theory 
the alternate health theory is that he was suffering from a brain tumor. Right. Because his personality just got kind of kooky. Yeah. So was it the syphilis? I mean, syphilis seems to be the the prevailing theory of what it was. Mm-hmm. Not a brain tumor, but there's definitely some sightings of brain tumor out there. But you know what? At oh. this point, it doesn't matter. Doesn't because matter. if you're tarred with the syphilis brush, uh-huh. you know, just like tabloids, that's just what it is. Yeah. End of story. So, okay. So interestingly, she has a second son. Yes. Uh, six years later, um, his name is John Strange. Churchill. Strange. He was always called Jack, but nobody thought that Randolph was his father. No. So there's a six-year age difference between Uh Winston and Jack. Winston and Jack were close their entire lives. It doesn't matter to them. But obviously, Winston is and remains the favorite son. Yeah. That's just the end of story. Yeah, Jack really, I mean, second second son isn't really Mm -mm. given a whole lot of spotlight anyway. But yeah, Jenny... Definitely shows favoritism to Winston. So they're back to England because Gladstone was elected and, you know, the post of Viceroy was no longer available to him. So since society was still close to them, they concentrated on politics mm-hmm. and something had changed in Randolph. Maybe he got, he started feeling his oats there in Ireland, like his power or whatever. Yeah. He came back, this galvanized, miraculous speaker. Just on fire. On fire. Yeah. yeah. He was getting things done. Well, but anyway, he was just eloquent and impassioned and people were taking note of him. Yeah. And so Jenny took to haunting the speaker's gallery, which is this little cage, if you've seen it. It's like a little mm-hmm. cage with bars and you can stick your you can stick your head out, listen to everyone talking. Um, and the husband and wife became a little closer because she could help him practice his speeches, help him with his delivery. She had no problem speaking to a crowd or whatever. She was no. very um, confident. And I think he took that from her. She's a really good political wife. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's she's charming. She's smart. She's ballsy. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing. She's got money back in her. Mm-hmm. She's got a lifetime of getting her way. So, yeah, that's good. And then they began to travel together. And anywhere they would stay, Jenny would get the local gossip, which actually amounted to a lot more than just mere gossip. Mm-hmm. I mean, who do you cultivate in this county? Who is it necessary to get on your side? Who pushes the levers of other guys to come to your side? That's something you can learn in the tea room so easily. Yes. They moved to an unfashionable side of town, but a very large house, but the coolest thing ever. Jenny Jerome Churchill lived in the first house in London to have electric light. I love that. It's so cool but you know right under the front stairs they have this dynamo. Let's call it a a generator Mm -hmm. for lack of being able to I am no electrical engineer but (laughs) anyway so this big loud thing basically was under the under the front steps and horses on the street would jump. They would get to the Churchill's door and jump because it scared Scared them. The Dickens out of them. (laughs) So about this time um, people started to take note this is weird because in this era, parents were not as touchy-feely as today. No. It's just not It was very calm. I mean, the way that they were raising their boys, you know, send them off to boarding school at an early age. Eight. Eight. The kid went to boarding school at eight. But that's even, that happens today. I'm just saying. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's so touchy-feely is so not a part of that particular yeah. scenario. Well, and I have a neighbor who's British and he went to boarding school at eight. Yeah. And so his brothers. He's talking about that. That's just that's, how it goes. Yeah. If you're I'm, at a certain level, you just go. I'm American. But the thing <laughs> is, though... That he was beaten sadistically at his first school, mm-hmm. and his parents didn't necessarily care. He would write them over and over, please come, p- please send food, please visit. It's And his dad would come, and his mom would come to the same town, canvassing, and, or, mm-hmm. and they would never even bother to run over there and even look at him through the window. No, How nothing. harsh is that? Mm-mm. They're in town on business, and they don't even stop by to make an appearance. So here's a quote. Who's on? Here's a quote that I will never say to my son. Okay. Oh, don't be a bore. Grow up or go away. <laughs> yeah, I love you, Mom. Yeah. 
warm, fuzzy, lovey. And so, hey, let me adore you for the rest of my life. Yeah, I don't understand it. Okay, so meanwhile, the political machine moved on. Jenny was put in charge of something called the Primrose League. And the Primrose League reminds me of... What are some of those other, like, fez-wearing people? Shriners. Exactly. The Shriners. <laughs> She's driving in a little cart in a parade. No, well, there were titles. <laughs> yes. There were ceremonies. There were songs. Uh-huh. Junior uh, League. It wasn't as fancy because no. these are the literate working class, basically. Okay. So, you know, there's picnics for the, and there's special rosettes you would wear and mm-hmm. offices held. And I think the women involved in this Premier League would influence the votes of their husbands. Right. I guess is the whole point. Yeah. And Jenny was in charge of that. She loved that situation. Oh, I'm sure she did. Yeah. Had her written all over it. Controlling people. Yep. Being smart. Yeah. Charming. <laughs> getting accessories. Meanwhile, she's got lovers all discreetly yeah in the background but one Randolph's not the only one Randolph's I don't even think in the picture no yeah he's not yeah it Mm -hmm. just no from the early days they were both dallying yeah I think after Winston was born the the facade just was like well uh Austrian Count Charles Kinski kind of broke through the discretion wall or whatever like her sisters would Right to her mother and father. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, I, I called on Jenny and she and Kinski were in there breakfasting. Well, they had to eat. Okay, yeah. I guess the pretense is gone. Yeah, that was this whole, studying this whole age, I really, is really open. Because this is very common behavior for this time to just, you know, be swinging, I guess. <laughs> so when Jenny was 30, all this happened before she was 30. <laughs> so when Jenny was 30, Randolph was the political sensation of England. Seriously, FAMU. He was sent to India, though, on a mission, as he was highly valued, uh-huh. and couldn't defend his seat. And so glamorous Jenny, with her glamorous hats, and her glamorous sister-in-law, Lady Curzon, were chosen to drive around the country and do their thing. And or, how effective was campaigning. it? He won. <laughs> yes, he won his seat. Really and it was all due to Jenny and, well, and his sister. Yeah. Mostly Jenny, I think. But... It was all due to that. He won 532 to 405, which seems like a small margin, doesn't it? It does, but it's enough of a margin. I mean, even if it was three, it would have been enough. Yeah. (laughs) And so Randolph was just his radical mood swings got so worse. He was rude. He was kind of crazy. Queen Victoria didn't really like him anymore. She thought he was um, mad and odd, and he made her nervous. So if the queen, if you make the queen Queen nervous, nervous, it's not not really good. Mm -mm. So at 32, Jenny's really still in, in love with this guy. I, you know, at least she wants him to be her best friend. Mm-hmm. They're married. They had a partnership. And they did have a partnership. But yeah, he, it wasn't like she was just there. But he was bored acting at home and never home, frankly. And he mm-hmm. was pretty mean to someone who had done nothing but help him. If you understand yes. that the infidelity went both ways and neither of them regarded it very much. Right. If you understand that basic premise, which mm-hmm. I guess in a modern marriage it's hard to understand. So she really hadn't done anything to hurt him. Right, she'd been support. Yes, and and he and he treated her like a dog. He was mean to her in public and everything. So well, he mean. was mean to his kids too. Yeah, he was just not a very nice guy. So all of a sudden, right before Christmas, Jenny gets the morning paper and gets the shock of her life. And so she comes downstairs holding the newspaper <laughs> with the news that her husband has basically burnt all his bridges in the political field and has stepped out. So for all the work that she did for him to get where he was, he didn't even tell her that this was brewing in his life. And so she comes in with a look on her face and he smiles at her, which Ah. is crazy, with his freaking teacup in his hand and says (laughs) mildly, quite a surprise for you. (laughs) I just want to re, re, re. (laughs) 
Here, surprise this. So the prince, luckily, stood loyal to her. There's a reconciliation at last after so mm -hmm. many years. Now, did they or didn't they, Prince Edward? I think mm -hmm. they did. I think they did, too. I think Prince Edward did a lot. Well, personality-wise, <laughs> there's nothing holding them back. Oh, nothing. Nothing. So, they, no. And But, you know, even better, they stayed friends until he died. They stayed really close friends. The informality of their relationship mm -hmm. is kind of touching to me. I don't think this happened a lot, but Jenny Jerome Churchill... She wrote the prince one day and said, I have an amazing new dress. It, uh -huh. play, it plays music. You should come see it. And he was all intrigued. It dress that plays music. I don't, what, what? She goes, just come, come down here and see it. You got to, you're going right. to, you're going to be amazed. <laughs> so he comes down, he shows up at the house, like, what are you talking about? And she sits in a chair and sure enough, it plays God Save the Queen. What? <laughs> stand up, stand up, do it again. So she stood up and she's like, it's in the bustle. There's a machine in the bustle of the dress. He's so intrigued and he makes her stand up and down. Do it again. That's amazing. Do it again. And it turns out that there's a small servant with a music box under her chair. Uh -huh. And he laughed his booty off. Oh, it's a great story. Like a button popped off his vest. He was laughing so hard. He made her do that at so many dinner parties. So that's kind of cute. Yeah, I think they probably had a really a fun relationship. Yeah. I mean, it lasted many years. They knew each other as well as any two people probably could. Mm -hmm. And they they didn't have all the garbage. I uh, like the informality. Some of the, yeah. the notes that survive are like, come over here. Yeah, can you imagine texting? Yeah, it's it's basically yes. Their letters <laughs> seem to me like texting. Text, yeah. He would send he would send a letter and and it would basically say, I'm coming over at three. See you. Yep. Just like that. There's no formality. None. There's no, mm -mm. you're king, you're prince. That's right. Blah, blah, blah. No. No. No, come on over. All right. I'll be ready. With my, so, with my singing bustle. It's not cute. <laughs> it's very cute. Um, so Jenny Jerome's father died and he did not leave money, although he, he had the appearance of money. He left no money. He left debts. And honestly, Jenny's mother spent the entirety of the rest of her life trying to pay off these debts and keep that knowledge a secret. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. an unfortunate end that, to, to him. To a pretty wild life that he had. This reputation began to follow Miss Jenny around. Her husband's gone a lot. She had a lot of male friends. She was accustomed to depend on her charm and her looks. And people who are accustomed to depend on their charm and their looks mm -hmm. talk differently to people. They yes. appear differently to people. A yeah. little more light, or perhaps. And people started to call her Lady Jane Snatcher or Black Jane. Ooh. And at the time... That seems weird to call her Jane, but at the time, um, Jenny was not necessarily Jennifer. Like mm -hmm. now, Jenny right. was a diminutive for either Jeanette, which is which her is case, right. or um, Jane, which was the more common. If mm -hmm. your name was Jane, you were often called Jenny. Jenny. Like Jane Austen was called Jenny. Can we talk about her tattoo? Okay. Because I have to say, I just got so sidetracked on this stupid tattoo. The rumor has it that she had a snake tattooed around her wrist. Now, nothing I ever saw had any pictures of the darn snake. It was always, the wrists were always covered. And that was the idea. So she wore a bracelet or sleeves or something. Well, here's the thing about the tattoo. It's perfectly yes. reasonable that people of that era in that class would have a tattoo. Because mm -hmm. ever since all that, you know, 1700s, Captain Cook exploration thing brought back all these fabulous new, like crazy exotic things. Yes. That had Let's been. Pierce our skin and diet. 
Yeah. Well, that had been kind of fashionable, uh, and I'm pretty sure Prince Edward had a known tattoo. Yeah, I think, one. I think you're right. There's a rumor Queen Victoria even had one. I don't know. I don't know Who about knows? that. That yeah. is Victoria's Secret, if That's- it's true. <laughs> Man. Oh, that was really funny. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but the thing is... not pink on her butt, is it? <laughs> shaped like an angel. Yuck, I don't know. But anyway, um, it would be reasonable of her to have a tattoo, but mm-hmm. I'm going to say with all that acreage covered by fabric, yes. why would you choose your wrist? I just don't know. And I've never seen it. Yes, I haven't either. And, so. and it depends, you know, obviously from where you look. The tattooing, history of tattooing sites claim it as fact. Others claim it as unverified rumor. So this time, the oh. promiscuity made the papers. Yes. I'm talking, eh, it's transcended just the upper class now. The paper wrote, the shield to the keyhole of Lord Randolph's London house is much scratched. Okay. I don't think Ugh. they meant the keyhole. The keyhole? You mean in the front door? I don't no, think so. I'm pretty sure not. So yeah, that's how, that's, that's how open the situation was now. Yeah. If the papers are willing to do this whole double entendre, which isn't even that much of an... Mm. So Lord Randolph went into this complete decline, and they decided to go on this long world tour. Right. And you thought the reason was... I thought the reason was that he was going crazy, and she wanted to get him away from the press. That's probably good. You yeah. know, get him out of the country, get him away from the people that are already flapping their jaws, and th- that whole life. And another reason, I guess, it could have been a bucket list. I mean, well, he yeah, wanted it to could. tour around, have yeah. one last final see the world before I die. Thing. Well, they did. It's New York, Boston, Canada. Okay, that's exciting. No, then they go to <laughs> Singapore, India, Egypt, and they end up in Monte Carlo, which for people with gambling debts, you do not <laughs> need to, to be ending up in Monte Carlo. And it's public. I mean, there's other places you can be kind of off the beaten path. Canada, hello. I mean, yeah, I, mean I don't know. But the weird thing is they traveled with a lead line coffin with them at all times okay. as their luggage. Here's your party dresses. Here's your coffin. <laughs> Very strange. Well, they knew it was the end. I mean, they knew. And, and that actually backs up my theory. Because yeah, she, true. she wanted, if it's in his brain and he's already been going crazy for all these years, mm-hmm. he's going to go even crazier at the end. So Randolph died in 1895, but everyone, everyone said she behaved heroically by mm-hmm. taking care of him in his last. I mean, this was a very good reputation gluer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, she stood by loyal. her husband at the end. Um, this trip could not have been easy on her. She wrote letters back to her sisters, who were very trustworthy, and mm-hmm. did not gossip about this right. type of thing. They were really close, these three sisters, so good for that. But, yeah, she was very stressed out. He was a horrible, crazy person. I'm Pretty sure. much this whole time. <laughs> Is there a good, crazy person? And here's the thing. We've been talking about this whole crazy life that they lived. He was 45 when he died. So early. So wherever Jenny went now, she kind of transferred her skills and attention in the political field to her oldest son, Winston, Mm -hmm. at this point. And everywhere she went, she would talk him up. She had, she was still a social butterfly with a lot of friends. Mm -hmm. I will tell you, young men loved her, even her own nephew. They were running across this field and she stepped, you know, in a snake hole or a gopher hole or something and snapped her ankle. And he picked her up to carry her to the house. And even him. Who, there's no chance uh-huh. of romantic entanglement with your own nephew. Right. No chance. Hey. Even him, while wiping his brow of sweat, <laughs> said to people, she was exquisitely grateful. <laughs> I'm like, okay, okay, some kind of pheromone thing. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't possess that. So she told him things, though, that mothers should not tell their sons. No. I, I, just I don't think, think that they had a regular mom-son 
relationship. I don't want to say Oedipus, but it's a little, you can, it's a little Oedipal. There's complete and utter adoration on one side. Yes. And then this whole focus on, I'll put all my energies into this one on pro- the other side. A project. It was a project. It yeah. Was a, it was a project. I mean, it worked out successfully. And I mean, he wasn't, he was no worse for the experience. No. And Jenny did try to help him. She got him a publisher and she was his agent and his friend and his advisor. Just the relationship was just awfully close from that rocky beginning of never talking to him and telling him to go away and stuff. Mm-hmm. They, they really became. I can't help thinking, though, somewhere in my mind that she was using him somehow because he had so much promise. Oh, well, I'll hitch my wagon to this star. I think it was a project. She was she had been doing this for Randolph for her whole, I mean, that's true. Married life, her whole. I mean, she was 19 when they got married. This is what she did. So Randolph is out of the picture. Transfer. Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. So she also, in the years after Randolph's passing, she started a magazine. It didn't last for very long, just a couple of years, called the Anglo-Saxon Review. She roped in all her friends with any pretensions of literary abilities Mm -hmm. to write for this magazine. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, for a while, it went on pretty well. I think it was, it lasted a couple of years, but it started to be, who's not in this magazine? (laughs) It's like, how hard is it to get in? Yeah. Yeah. It's like those pictures in the society pages with they're like, take as many pictures as possible. Oh, as many, so that all the names would be in. Right, yeah. right. It was more like that. Yeah. And so it kind of became a little bit of a joke, but that's a pretty impressive project. To- I, I think so. For yeah. the times, yeah. During the Boer War in South Africa, there is an American committee of American wives mm-hmm. of British noblemen, mm-hmm. and they got a recommissioned ship called the Maine and turned it into a hospital ship to send mm-hmm. down there. Very philanthropic. But Jenny decided she wanted to go along <laughs> to, well, why reduce, she? to reduce tensions, she said. Uh, what? Every, to reduce tensions. Every to, hospital ship needs a figurehead. But she made herself a nurse, <laughs> a nurse outfit, which is super cute. And you must have, one must have the correct outfit. Well, of course. You have to be accessorized and costumed and... And surrounded by young, vulnerable men at all times. And throw their Bibles into the ocean. Ooh, I love that story. Okay, I had to tell that story. This is a shocking... Okay, shocking. shocking story. So they're on the hospital ship, and there's men on the ship, and she went and gathered up all the Bibles and all the tracts mm-hmm. on the whole ship and threw them overboard for the edification of the fishes, and then <sighs> she gave everyone candy. <laughs> candy. So that's kind of scandalous. I don't, some people might find that horrible. That was. I, a, I think it's also very consistent with her. <laughs> so... All these young men must have been priming the pump because what happened right after? She actually marries, five years after Randolph's death, she marries a man named George Cornwallis West, who is, <gasps> gasp, the same age as Winston. He's 20 years younger than she. 20. Interesting. And it works out. I mean, they're married for 12 years. Yeah. You know, she was given away by Consuelo Vanderbilt's husband, Sonny, who was her nephew. He walked her down the aisle. Really? Uh-huh. Okay, didn't see that. That's really cool. <laughs> Isn't that cool? Well, I mean, they're family. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, sure. At this point. Sunny. Yeah. So all these women, though, spent money like water. You know how Scarlet Little Hair is like, tomorrow is another, another day. day. Well, they said tomorrow is another day that these people can write me another letter about the bill because we're not paying it. Yeah. That's basically, <laughs> yeah, it's a good time. So 
there, the financial difficulties kind of followed her her whole life. Mm. Now, the relationship went pretty well, but she took to writing books um, to make money, honestly. So she wrote a book that I recommend reading, yeah. as a matter of fact, called The Reminiscences of Lady Randolph Churchill. And that made everyone sit up straight. Aw, oh, I can't wait to read the book. That's right. It'll be very exciting. Thought it was going to be pretty juicy. And was it? It was a bestseller. Yes. Well, because everybody wanted a copy. They wanted yeah. to see all the juicy details. And Well, now say it was cleverly <laughs> and cautiously written. Mm-hmm. But I think if you were in the know, you could identify I, every freaking person in that book. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Good times. But as time goes on, it didn't yeah, really. Yeah, we don't. Now. No. You'd read it now and say, you know, oh, a Jackie Collins novel is yes. just more scandalous than this. But at the time, hooray. I mean, she lived a life like that. How do you take that out? <laughs> so there's a little bit of money. And then she wrote a play produced at the Globe Theater, which is not the same Globe Theater of William Shakespeare, obviously. It's no. re- been rebuilt. But, you know, the name is very, you know, well thought of. And yeah. It's called His Borrowed Plumes. And um, the lead actress, her whose name was Mrs. Patrick, had another role to play. And that would be... She ran off with Jenny's husband. I know. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. So... Wish I hadn't cast her. I know. <laughs> So they divorce. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's okay. It is okay. Then she started to do something else pretty modern. Thoroughly modern Jenny. Thoroughly modern Jenny. I love that. Yes. She started to flip houses. I love that. Yes. She was known for her exquisite taste and, you know, spending other people's money. Good times. Yeah. yeah. She's good at it. She's also renowned for her um, pioneering of the use of placemats on a wooden table. <laughs> so when you use your placemat at dinner tonight. Look down and think of Jenny. You see the... Those plastic ones. Did you have those for your kids? With, like <laughs> with Elmo's the di- on them. And, yeah, and the numbers. Like Somehow I think the mahogany tables were covered with different things. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it wasn't a plastic Elmo placemat. Um, I don't think she invented them, but she no, made them but fashionable. No, she made them fashionable. No, I will tell you, she actually did do some good work at World War One. Now, she was a good organizer, and she was also good at convincing people to do things. And so she would convince others. She didn't have any money to give, really, but she would convince others to give money and provide supplies. And she had a friend who had a country house in a good place for a war hospital. Right. And she convinced him to just give it to the government for the duration of the war. And it, that was a very valuable thing. Yeah. To have that hospital there. Perhaps she did with her projects. She traveled around also with a singer as a two-woman USO show to entertain <laughs> the troops as well. Although that was probably pretty self-serving too. You think? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but her work at World War One changed her mind. She'd never been a suffragist and she always thought that a woman that wanted to vote was ridiculous. Like she had influence. Why would she want to vote? Right. Type of thing. But that changed her. That changed her mind, mm-hmm. I think, right about then. But okay, so she's she needs the attention of another man. Yeah, so she marries Montague Fippin Porch. Now Montague is actually twenty three years younger. But they put it kind. She put it kind of cute. Here's a quote from Jenny about that. Well, he has a future, and I have a past, so we should be all right. (laughs) She she was a dollar princess trailblazer and a cougar trailblazer. (laughs) Even though I think they called her the panther because of her dark hair. Yes, they called her the panther. Panther, but do you, I wonder if that that's more, where the cougar came from. We're going to have to look at cougars. Up. Just thought about that. Panther, cougar. Do you have a cougar crush? I don't know what that means. You know, someone who's younger than you, like a celebrity. Mm, no. You don't? <laughs> no. None? None. Really? I like Sean Connery. He's a lot older than me. <gasps> I'm a traditionalist. This is why why we work, because we're so, we're similar but opposite. Okay, and dare we say, gentle listeners, let's let's lay it out there. (laughs) Susan? Uh, My cougar crush would be Zac Efron. 
And I don't know who that is. Oh, my. <gasps> Seriously? High school music. Okay, your son's too young. You missed the whole high school musical thing. Well, thank goodness. I saved myself from moral <gasps> decay. I know. Unbelievable. I, I'm stunned. I'll Google him later. Okay. Okay, so in 1921, Jenny goes down in characteristic fashion, oh, I will tell you. Yeah, she she's 67 at this point, and she's walking down a set of stairs, and the maid did not polish up the bottoms of her shoes and scuff them up, because they were brand new, high heels. Super high. And wooden floors, as Beckett, who walks on her wooden floors all the time, will tell you. Mm-hmm. Slippery! And mm-hmm. she takes a tumble down the stairs, and she breaks her ankle. Maybe the same ankle? Maybe the same ankle as before. Um, With her nephew. Yeah, the where f- she was exquisitely grateful. <laughs> That's right. I don't think she's exquisitely grateful for this, because she's at a friend's house. She's not even at her own home, and the it develops gangrene and requires an amputation, and that doesn't solve the problem. And Jenny Jerome Churchill dies. Of high heel shoe. Yeah, I think she actually died of um, blood poisoning from the botched operation. Mm-hmm. So let's recommend a couple of media objects. Oh, yes, let's. There is another, I'm always recommending the miniseries. There is a miniseries um, from 1974 starring Lee Remick called Jenny, colon, Lady Randolph Churchill. So that's a good one. Yes, it is. To see. And And she wears, she wears, she gets her waist down to the Jenny Churchill waist wearing the proper undergarments in that. That's really hard for the modern woman. You know, I read this interview with, um... What is her name? Natalie Dormer from The Tudors on Showtime. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the women of this time would have been basically corset trained from the age of 11 or so. And, right. and you know, you could gradually just keep cranking it or whatever. But for a modern woman with an average size waist to go and crank her waist down, I mean, I... Even a thin woman. That's probably got to make you feel sick. Yeah, it's going to move all your organs together. I mean, bleh. So anyway, yeah, good for her. For, you know... Method acting. <laughs> the book I recommend, there's two, actually. Go ahead and read The Reminiscences of Lady Randolph Churchill. Yes. I highly recommend it. It's just come back out in paperback. It's about $10. Or your library might have it. And then there's another book called American Jenny, The Remarkable Life of Lady Randolph Churchill by Anne Seba, S-E-B-B-A. And this is her second book about Jenny Churchill, uh, interestingly. So if you like that one, um, go back and get the one before that. And then there is there is a blog in which there's an entry that Susan likes. Yes, I do adore Scandalous Woman. Scandalous Woman at blogspot.com. Yes. If you we go will, to scandalouswoman.com, yes, you're going to find some other kind of thing. And you can. she's got a Facebook page if you want to go to her on Facebook and link to it that way. And we will put a link to the per- correct Scandalous Woman. That will get you your pop-ups. Yeah, that will yeah, get you your pop-ups. That's right. So, yeah. Yeah, scandalouswoman at blogspot.com. Yeah, and you can get lost on that site. I mean, there's one there's one entry for Jenny, but there's like entries for all types of historical women who, ha- who had rather scandalous lives, and it's, it's a great site, and I'm glad that she's got a book going on. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, we'll recommend that when it comes out, too. Yeah. So we're going to leave with a quote. Jenny Churchill said, Treat your friends as you do your pictures. Place them in their best light. Oh, oh, nice. You are in a very fine light today, Beckett. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, thank you for listening. And we will see you soon with another episode. Yay! Hooray! So thanks. Bye! For show notes and links to the things we talked about today, please visit us at thehistorychicks.com. Follow us on Twitter at The History Chicks. With, with an, an X. X. Or like us on Facebook without an X. If you'd like to sit in real life, please tell a few friends or leave a review for us on iTunes.
The music in our podcast comes courtesy of Music Alley. Visit them at music.mevio.com. To such a clever girl